0: Hello and welcome to Knowing Me, Knowing UKSG, a podcast exploring journeys in scholarly communications. In each episode, we hear from someone inspiring from the knowledge community and ask them to tell us about their career journey and what has motivated them along the way.
1: So today I'm speaking with Gavin Phillips, who is the Category Manager for Academic Services at the Southern Universities Purchasing Consortium. The SUPC is the largest regional procurement consortium in the UK and leads on key framework agreements that are used across the HE library sector. And prior to working in procurement, Gavin worked in academic libraries for over 20 years. Uh, So thanks very much for coming along today, Gavin. I appreciate you taking time out of your day uh, to talk with me for this podcast.
0: You're very welcome. Happy to be here.
1: Can you tell me a bit about the work that you do from week to week with the SUPC?
0: A lot of what we deal with, as as you'll know, is uh, framework agreements, and they're pretty cyclical in the way that they that they operate. They tend to be sort of four year things, so it can be quite varied. My typical working week, depending on where we are in those cycles, uh, at the moment I'm working on retendering our periodicals agreement. So working with members who form our tender working party, bringing together the requirements and the evaluation criteria, getting all the documentation ready, and that's taking up a lot of my time right now. Another week, I might be looking at managing those agreements, looking at working with the suppliers, looking at the data, maybe handling issues. There's also ad hoc member support, answering queries and giving guidance, looking at potential future areas of activity, which might mean expanding a framework agreement in the future, or maybe even doing a new one. Also sector-based work, I suppose, working with other sector bodies to ensure alignment and collaboration and uh, not duplicating things, certainly. Uh, And then there's also, we're an organization in ourself, so we have internal work about the way we We run our processes. We're doing operational excellence work at the moment uh, on our tendering processes. We also do um, a lot of responsible procurement work as well, not just about what we require from suppliers, but actually what we do as an organization and whether that can be improved as well. Uh, So uh, it is quite varied and it tends to come in chunks, I suppose. Can you tell me a bit more about your
1: uh, career journey? to where you are now at at the SUPC,
0: I certainly wouldn't call it a planned career journey. I started out uh, with archaeology, would you believe? So uh, I did a a degree in archaeology, and that was what I was intending to do. It's something you have to have a real passion for to make a career of. And as I did my degree, I realized that I didn't have that passion for that. So uh, it remained an interest. And uh, perhaps it's the uh, Indiana Jones talking about 90% of of archaeology happening in the library. I ended up in libraries instead, so initially of a public library. Then I, I got a role at Imperial. I moved around Imperial teams quite a lot. I started off in the subject teams. Uh, I was a cataloguer, I went into reading lists when, when things were fairly decentralized back then, and then ultimately acquisitions, and then managing all of that cataloguing and reading list and acquisitions. And in that time, I started to get involved with SUPC. Before SUPC, we were doing our own tendering activity, uh, along with UCL and Oxford Bodleian. And uh, eventually, we we switched all that to SUPC, and I started to work with my predecessor, Carly Thatcher, or Thorpe, as she is now, and I was one of the SUPC reps. I had a bit of luck, really, that I, I managed to work with Carly a bit, a bit more closely than most people. Uh, I'm local to the SUPC offices in Reading. So if she needed a tame librarian to come and talk about (laughs) metadata or um, uh, library management systems or something of that nature, then um, I'd work from home for the day and scoot over to SUPC for an hour. So I'd sort of see a bit more of the procurement process. And I found that really interesting. And I was kind of taken with the idea of how procurement could not just be about getting a better value for money in terms of just, you know, great British pounds, but but actually provide other bits of value and help to seed bits of innovation and drive improvement. And that's kind of what I was looking to do via Carly in a way. I had ideas for one of my team members could get involved with some metadata stuff for her, uh, but she quite sensibly resigned before I could get around to bothering her with all of that Um, and um, when she did go she had a word with Rob Johnson who was the head of SUPC at the time Uh, and we started talking about whether I'd be interested in in moving over there I kind of also appealed to me that SUPC as with all of the uh, regional consortia is owned by its members Uh, SUPC is also a registered charity so I kind of liked that idea of not just being commercially driven, but looking for all of this value that we could add in. And eventually, uh, SUPC decided to appoint me and support me as I added the uh, procurement strings to my bow. The idea being that it would be easier to teach some procurement to a a library subject matter expert than for a, a category manager to come in and to try and learn libraries. And I think that's the way it's gone in the end. Um, I think it's also an opportunity to try and shape a role around myself as well, because it's kind of a very unique role, um, even within procurement. So I was able to to come in and develop it, taking what Carly had already started to do, uh, and then just run with that and add my own personality into it, I suppose.
1: So you've made quite a career switch from academic libraries into procurement um, how has that transition been for you has it been easy
0: certain elements were okay because I knew a lot of that subject matter expert stuff uh, I'd would i been in acquisitions for a long time I'd worked with I knew all the suppliers I'd worked through things like the nag committee as well so I was already well known to the suppliers as well. The difficult thing was that I started in January 2020 and two months later, mm-hmm. we were all in lockdowns. So that idea that of me being supported by colleagues on the, the bits of procurement that I was trying to learn became suddenly very difficult because we weren't around each other. Um, mm-hmm. My workload just shot up because of, the, of lockdown, but so did theirs. So they were... It, it became really challenging to try and do that. And um, I think that's something which it's it's meant I've learned that procurement element of it much more slowly and on the job rather than through sort of structured training and and courses. I wonder if that's actually suited me better in the end. It's allowed me to absorb a lot of stuff gradually, and I managed not to make a a horrible mess of things along the way. Of course, i still got another tender to do, so give me a bit of time. But yeah, it was really quite difficult because colleagues were working hard as well. Everyone was worried at that time as well about where this was going. I mean, looking back now, it seems people managed quite well. But actually, at the time, it was all a bit scary, really. I mean, just looking at the news and seeing... You know, places like Italy where the army was coming out to move move the dead. And, um, yeah, we really didn't know what was going to happen. But we got there and there's perhaps a bit of a baptism of fire, I suppose, which was helpful. As long as you can get through something like that, then you learn an awful lot along the way. Uh, but I did have that benefit of, um, of having worked with Carly quite a lot beforehand. So I did know a fair bit about roughly what should happen and when. And I had fantastic handover stuff with her as well. Actually, sort of a couple of sessions together and copious notes. I've seen people who've just been basically dropped into into roles with nothing to go on. Uh, but yeah, I I had pretty much almost like a a mini textbook of what I needed to do that she'd written for me.
1: So you made that career switch at a, at a difficult time, and you've kind of talked through the the difficulties that you had what did you do or what do you do for your own well-being to manage any stresses or anxieties
0: that come up in your role privately i i listen to a lot of music i've got a record collection that's got pretty much something through any emotional situation <laughs> uh if things get too bad i can break out the slayer records and, <laughs> and and get through things that way um i do also run uh i think that, that exercise is really helpful to clear the mind. Um, I like to run on my own and early in the morning when there's no one around at 5am. Sort of and I think that helps to put a bit more, a little bit more distance between me and everything else in my life. So uh, everything seems a little bit better afterwards and anything that I might've been worrying about beforehand just doesn't seem as bad uh, sort of an, an hour later when I'm more concerned with, with my knees are going to break. I think also uh, I've learned a, a, gradually along the way that it's important to understand how your own mind works and how your body reacts to that as well. I've not always learned that very easily. Sometimes I, I've had to learn that by getting into quite a lot of stress, but I've managed to get to get through that. And once you start to understand how these different parts of your body and your your mind link to each other, you can... You learn to take that time to check in with yourself, I suppose, so you can remain in control and you're not looking to put fires out around well-being because you're actually managing your well-being all along. I've become quite strict about things like hours. Uh, I mean, I, I have to get a job done, but I make sure I keep my hours reasonable. I don't work weekends. That means I'll miss out on some things, but I'm not going to worry about that because there'll always be something to miss out on. And uh, once you kind of, once you accept that, I think you uh, you have an easier time of it. You can focus a bit more as well.
1: You were at Imperial College for over 20 years. Mm. In today's world, that's quite a long time to be in any one institution. Did you feel like your career was progressing uh, while staying in the one place?
0: Yeah, I mean, I was there. I joined in May 1998 and went through to December 2019. I didn't realize it was going to be so long at the time, but I think, yeah, there was progression in that time. I managed to be involved in quite a few roles there. So there was progression there, starting off as a a library assistant. I think that was my my subject team role and then a senior library assistant in cataloging and a principal library assistant in to do reading lists and then managing acquisitions and metadata. I also did a a part-time masters while I was there as well in those early years so there was quite a lot of opportunity there to move along into different things. I think in my probably my first half of my time there probably a bit of inertia on my part maybe not not so career-minded or maybe not so progression-minded necessarily as I as I might have been or some other people would be. And then also, I mean, there was a big economic collapse in the late 2000s. If you were working in a place like Imperial, you were relatively sheltered from some of the terrible and nasty restructures that some people were having. I mean, Imperial wasn't immune from that either, but comparatively, it just felt like a safe place to be. I think once I did start to come around to wanting to do more uh, with work, I've mostly wanted to follow things that are interesting to me and not worry too much about having a plan of where to get to. I've never felt, oh, I want to be a library director or I want to be a managing director of something or, or anything like that. It's really just to keep going with things that kept me interested. And Imperial always did keep me interested. I was actually very happy there to be honest I mean nowhere's going to be perfect but I think the the later years I was there with uh, particularly with uh, Chris Banks doing an outstanding job as as director uh, I had a lot of trust and support not just from her but from successive managers to to go and do interesting things plus I was at a place that had enough resource so staff resource and budget to do Interesting things. We were able to to get involved in as development partners on certain things or early adopters. Uh, always interesting things to do. Yeah, I, I was quite happy there, and I think it's only a only because a unique opportunity came along that I actually left. Um, I was still engaged and and doing quite a lot. I mean, we've seen uh, just in recent weeks webinars around uh, Rialto and people who've been. Uh, making Rialto and Leganto and Alma work together in different ways. That's where I was back then. I had done 15 months of work on the Rialto Development Partner Programme, and then I left a few weeks before it was due to go live. So mm. all of my plans of of actually being the person doing those webinars, or at least doing all of that early work uh, on making these things work together, were I, I kind of just had to to leave those behind, I suppose, but yeah, that was still quite a lot of progression uh, that mm-hmm. I had. Um, yeah. But I didn't necessarily feel like I wanted to be library leadership role. I think I was about as as happy as I was going to be in a library. And um, I was aware that I probably had maybe 15 to 20 years of that. And I wasn't quite sure how long uh, my happiness would last, I suppose. Just trying to reinvent the same role. Lots of scope to do it, but I didn't feel I could let an opportunity like this one go by in the end. So I mean thinking about people who do who who move between roles quickly or between institutions quickly or or stay a long time. I think there's benefits to both. I think Moving to different institutions gives you a lot of perspective, of course, on different types of institution. Um, but you can also get a lot of that just by working with a lot of people from different institutions, uh, getting involved at, at sort of sector levels and, and getting involved in the communities. I think really you just have to look at what what you want as an individual, what you feel is right for you in the circumstances that you're in. Uh, so for me, yeah, it meant uh, twenty plus years in one place, just different desks. <laughs> uh, but I still go back. They're still involved with with my work. They're still supporting me in in the books agreement, as as you'll know, um, with metadata and things like that. They're always happy to to work at that level and to to contribute to to what's going on with SUPC. So I'm fortunate that that 20, 21 years is is kind of extending a little bit uh, in my current role even.
1: What advice would you have then for early career librarians, people who are just starting out on that journey?
0: Uh, I would say get involved. Don't be afraid to step out of your comfort zone. Uh, Once you start to broaden your horizons beyond your immediate job and take a few opportunities that might be out there then more opportunities will start to come your way as well Uh, it adds a whole new aspect to your working life Uh, whether you're looking to develop a a fairly planned career path or even if you're just looking for a more interesting and enjoyable working life it's it's really it really does change things I mean, you can start just by attending relevant events, but really getting involved in things like um, organizing committees or working parties on things where you can work with your peers from around the sector. You really do gain an awful lot of experience and you make friends along the way. It just makes life more enjoyable. Some people worry that they don't have enough experience or that their experience isn't really worth it compared to people who've been doing it for 25 years but the way I think about it when I'm looking at tender working parties or representatives for SUPC yes I want to have some people who've been doing it for 25 years but I'm also interested in the people who are going to be doing it for the next 25 years. Uh, Everyone's got something to offer there and no one's judging anyone because I, I mean I've been on I remember being the person who was worried that they didn't really know very much, and now I'm a person who's maybe I don't necessarily know so much now, but but I've done enough of these things and I've got the experience and whenever someone new comes into something and they start worrying about asking questions, I actually just have a bit of admiration for them putting themselves forward and uh, taking those steps out of their comfort zone.
1: Can you give me an example of something unexpected or interesting that has come up in your work?
0: I suppose what I'm doing now is pretty unexpected in itself. I often say to people, I ended up here by mistake. Not necessarily true. Lots of little micro decisions made along the way. But I think what I never really thought about before that was, I, is that I'd be working more internationally um even though it makes perfect sense given there are so many common issues um and there are so many uh so much international nature of uh, of supply chains and publishing and uh, and all of that so i think I suppose it started when i started to do presentations as a librarian and once i got involved a bit and opportunities would come my way rather than me looking for them i got the chance to travel to places like um Helsinki and Texas and I got that opportunity to sort of see how similar issues and concerns and discussions are happening in slightly different contexts and cultures. Really kind of interesting when you can be part of that itself rather than reading about it on Twitter or on some article or something just talking to American librarians about what we were doing with with digital textbooks back in the day and, and they'd say, "We'd love to be able to do that sort of stuff for our students, but you know the bookshop would have a would have a fit, <laughs> and it's like completely alien to me that actually exists in a way where a university puts that ahead of the actual student for teaching and learning and those sort of fancier trips that I got to go on back then, the ones that you know weren't to Birmingham or Manchester, uh, they were done usually as a guest of a supplier, uh, which I can't do anymore in this role because uh, I need to maintain sort of a, a more neutrality on, on these these issues. But what I've found is that as I've developed into the role, I've been able to, to get involved in different organisations. And more, most recently, uh, we joined ICOLC, uh, which for those who aren't familiar, is the International Coalition of Library Consortia. And I've been able to start looking at actually what's happening in Europe, having discussions with people in it, uh, places like Belgium and Holland and, uh, and Denmark and places like that, but also looking beyond that into the sort of EMEA region. We've got uh, Australians in there as well. And I suppose the interesting thing there is is what happens with the global south, who are not necessarily as, as highly involved. We do have South Africans there, which is really interesting because they start to give us a new perspective on things. So we're, we're used to, in recent years, the, the weakness of the pound, putting up the cost of all of our subscriptions. But if you compare the sort of fluctuations in the pound or the euro or the dollar compared to the rand or or some of the other currencies in Africa, you know, they're, they're barely fluctuating at all compared to the situation in places like Malawi or somewhere like that so it's kind of interesting as how we can how, how we can be good global citizens I suppose we talk about responsible procurement and ethics in in what we're doing but actually what can we do to to think more internationally join those dots and try and and move forward globally rather than just even nationally
1: So on that uh, extremely uh, positive and aspirational note, I think we'll wrap it up. (laughs) Thank thank you very much for your time today, Gavin. It's been really interesting to hear about uh, your journey and uh, the ups and downs you've had over the last few years. Thank you very much for your time.
0: UKSG exists to connect the sector and encourage the exchange of ideas. It brings together the information community of librarians, publishers, intermediaries, and technology vendors. If you know someone whose career journey would make for an interesting episode, please get in touch with UKSG via Twitter. Please like and share our podcast to help us support those in our community who are just starting their journey. And subscribe to the channel to keep up with future episodes.